the reason we wanted to cover this today on the annual renewable term, a lot of people, they see on my video ART, but I don't think they realize the importance and the significance of that. This is really a good thing because it allows the client, if they're terminally ill, in this client's situation, the premium is $77 for $350,000 of coverage taken out 20 years ago in December. Uh, the premium is going to $689.50 a month instead of $77 a month. Um, now, during the course of this time, this client could have converted this to a permanent policy. And I'm going to go through a little bit of that with you today on what that means, the significance and the importance of it. But uh, in this case here, a lot of clients kind of panic. The agent kind of panics. I, I didn't realize. I didn't think. A lot of people on the call today don't realize what happens at the end of the 20 or 30 year term. Well, it doesn't just stop, and that's a good thing. Because if the client at the end of the 20 or 30 year term is terminally ill and they've got six months to live, it would be an absolute bargain to spend $689.50 a month for the next three or four or five or six months or even year in order to collect $350,000. So that's a good thing. However, this is something that the agent needs to be in a position to explain that benefit, why it's good, and also it gives them a good way to um, go back and do an insurance review. Now, the insurance review, I talk about convertibility some, uh, occasionally with you, and we are going to be talking more about it. Most term and policies are, have what we refer to um, uh, as the option of converting the term to a permanent plan. And this allows the, the, the person to end up with permanent insurance, like whole life or a universal life policy. The key to it is it ensures their insurability. What do you mean by that, Dick? Well, the age that they took the policy out is what the rates are based on and their health is based on. But say three or five years later, they convert it to a, a, term, a permanent policy. Well, they convert it at their age then, so if it's five years later and they were 30, now they're 35, but say their health has changed. They convert it at the age 35, but they convert it at what the health was when they bought the policy. Guys, this is a big advantage, and I think that's one of the features that we're not mentioning to our clients. What that does, it sets us up in order to um, go back and do an insurance review. So let me say that again. They convert it at their age now, 35 in that case, but their health when they took the policy out. So if they were preferred or a standard risk, they get that lower rate. Now, if you've got a smoker and that smoker has quit smoking, but their health has changed, they had a heart attack three weeks or three months ago, they're not gonna get, they'll get the non-tobacco rate, but they're not gonna qualify for a preferred rate like they got when they got the policy. At least some companies will not do that. Um, now, the second part of that is there are some limitations to this, and this is an important thing to know. And, and don't call me, you know, take the time to investigate this because every company is different. Some of them, you have to convert the policy within the first five years. Some, it's the first 10 years uh, of, from the issue date. Others, it's before age 70. So take the time for you to understand what those are because this is, this is your business. This is how you're going back and doing your reviews. Now, I'm doing a, a review this Thursday. And the client, five years ago, had no interest <coughs> in converting the policy. 
Now, suddenly, that's what they want to do. But they're five years too late because they had on their policy, they had to convert within the first 10 years, and then after that, they can't convert it anymore without doing evidence of insurability. Health has changed, so they're not going to qualify to convert it. So their policy is going to go away in three years, and uh, it's too late. So um, that's a perfect reason to do insurance reviews every two years with people. And one of the things to understand the reason for doing the reviews is people's lives. LIMRA is a, a, a group that represents life insurance companies for, uh, in Congress and so on. And they do extensive studies and research. And um, I forget the percentage of people that intend to buy insurance this year, but it's a lot. And they've got all those statistics for us. Well, one of the things they put out a few years ago was every three and a half years, a family's needs will change, and they either need to change the product they've got or add coverage to it. So these are reasons to do insurance reviews for all of us, and that's something that we'll be focusing on more and more and more as the years go by. Now, I want to deal with another uh, question that comes up a lot. There's a lot of talk today about uh, doing annuities. And guys, the statements are helpful, but a suitability form, and you can either, uh, Connie can send you one, or you can put one on your computer, but I had a, an agent the other day call me in the house, there was no internet. So they had it on their computer, couldn't come up with one, you know. So, but at any rate, having a suitability form gives us a better indication as to whether they qualify. And let me give you an example. Uh, if the client has $100,000 in CDs, and $2,000 in their checking account, and no other liquid assets. And that means they don't have any other annuities, they don't have any mutual funds, they don't have any stocks or bonds. All they have in cash is $2,000 in their checking account and $100,000 in CDs. And they want, or $100,000 in another annuity. And they want to roll the whole $100,000 into an annuity. And you're going to explain to them all the surrender charges, but that's what they want to do. doesn't matter the insurance company will never allow them to roll more than 70% of that 100000 So in this case, uh, they could only roll 70000 Now, I was sharing with an agent this week. I had a client. I've known her for 12 years, and uh, I rolled 80% of her TSP account, about three years, her thrift savings account with the government, into an annuity. Well, by the time she finally retired, it had gone up quite a bit more, the, the, the thrift savings account, and she wanted to roll it into annuity. And I told her no, because one, I knew the company wouldn't do it, but more importantly is uh, I knew she would need the money because if she needs a new roof on the house, then she's going to have to break into the annuity, and, with, and she's got penalties and surrender charges to pay. So I wouldn't allow her to do it. So about a year or two after she retired, she called me and she said, I need some money out of my annuity. And I said, Joyce, you've got your TSP account. That's why we left it in there, so you could get money out without a surrender charge. And it got real quiet on the phone. Somebody had come through and written her a second annuity, rolling all of that money out of her TSP account into a second annuity. And I'm sure what they did is they used the annuity I sold them as not having any surrender charges on it. They probably skewed it. Maybe they made a mistake. Maybe they didn't understand. But anyway, that new company, thinking that my annuity was liquid, allowed her to do that. 
and now she's got all this money tied up and she can't get to it. So, you know, you you got to understand the insurance companies realize, and you should as well, that 30% of their cash reserves need to be in cash, uh, a mutual fund or a money market account or CDs where they can actually get to it. Now, is a, uh, an annuity a proper vehicle for a 28-year-old who just inherited $300,000? Well, probably not because, you know, they're going to be uh, penalties and surrender charges all the way to age 59 and a half. A 28-year-old is probably going to want to buy a house. A 28-year-old may need to access some of this money for children's education or whatever. So an annuity really is not a good fit for this person. And I, it's important for us to understand why and where an annuity is a proper thing to use. You know, at 35, they want to buy a house, can't use this money, so they have no money for a down payment without significant penalties. So let's take that same 28-year-old. Is an IUL better for them? Well, let's find out how much they're making a year. They're making 25000 All right, so taking this same 28-year-old making $25,000, is an IUL a good product? Well, maybe and maybe not. You know, uh, are they savers? That's an important thing to determine. Um, do they have an interest in saving? If the answer is no, then guys, an IUL is not a good fit for this person. You know, we may think it's the greatest thing since sliced bread, and it is, but if you're buying a new car and you drive 100 miles a day to work and, and you really need efficiency in terms of gasoline, uh, a big old pickup truck's not the, not the vehicle to buy because that sucker's going to eat all kinds of gas for you. So these products are, are, for lack of a better term, are built based on what you need. Some of them carry and help you build a lot of cash. That would be a pickup truck, but you can't get to the money right away. Other things are going to be simple and nimble. You know, a return a premium product for a 28-year-old, if they're not savers, is a perfect product for that client because they can't get to the money. They're not putting very much into it. Hopefully in the next 30 years they're going to get smarter and now they've got a lump sum of money that they can do something with. So that's why I like to strategize the cases with everybody. Now let's go back to that 28-year-old and just see if they might be a fit. Well, how's the best way to get to that? You can't, you can't just assume they are or they aren't. You do that through some questions. And this is an example of what I might use. Are you guys saving now for retirement? If the answer is no, well, do you know anyone in your family or, fa or members of uh, friends who were forced to retire and are struggling to make ends meet? Well, yes, Uncle Joe, you know. Well, if I could show you how to prepare yourself not to be in that position, would you be interested? See, I want a commitment out of them before I'm going any further. And this gives me a way of educating them without even realizing what we're doing. We're preparing them for an eventual event. And guys, two things are going to happen to everybody. They're either going to die or they're going to retire. And either way, we want them prepared. Well, if I could show you how to prepare yourself not to be in that situation, would you be interested? If the answer is no, move on. But if the answer is yes, don't stop there. Well, how much a week could you commit to set up your own supplemental retirement program? Well, I think I could save $25 a week. Now, you realize that's 100 a month, yeah? Okay. And you're comfortable with that? Yes. Well, let me ask you this. 
what if we could reallocate $30,000 of that 100000 you just inherited, money that you're not going to use, take 30000 of the 100000 that doesn't – to make sure that that 30000 of the 100 doesn't get away from you, and then in addition to that, let's add $100 a month to that. Would you like to see the numbers – based on your own supplemental retirement program. See, what you're trying to do, up until now, you are a salesperson. But when you ask this question, would you like to see numbers based on your supplemental retirement program, the moment they say yes to you, you're now viewed as a consultant, not a salesperson. Guys, that's an important step here that most people are forgetting because they're not setting it up to be the consultant. They're always viewed as a salesperson, so they're always going to get pushback when they show it to them. And one of the keys to this thing, even if you have the software on your computer, even if you can do it in front of them flawlessly, guys, that's a trap. Don't ever fall into it. You set up a second appointment because a consultant is going to go home and prepare. A salesman is going to bingo, pop up the numbers and show it to them. They trust a consultant. They're wary of a salesperson. So, well, I need a little more information to see what you might qualify for. And then you go through the underwriting questions that you would need for a life insurance policy, you know, um, because this is an IUL. Height, weight, macro status, medications, and the whole nine yards. Then at that point in time, you set the appointment for the next visit because a consultant is going to do the work beforehand and come back and take care of your needs, okay? Uh, that's an important part of, of what we're doing and understanding the steps that you go through. I also wanted to cover today activity because Connie and I were talking, you know, activity is really the key to our business, but more importantly, right activity. You know, if you're using door-knocking leads, if it's working, great. Make notes on what is working and what is not. So when the wheels fall off, and guys, we always know the wheels are going to fall off, you need to know how to put them back on. So I remember reading something uh, last year in a book that the guy made the comment, when things are going right, that's when you really make notes because you want to know what you're doing right to bring this level of success. That's really important to you because, again, this guy pointed out when the wheels fall off, I think they used a different term, but that's pretty descriptive. You know you know how to fix it. Now, if you're doing mortgage protection leads and it's not working, call somebody. You know, uh, Dick, I can't close. Well, why is that? Are you telling the joy story? Are you telling the emotional story at the end, not at the beginning, that really brings home the fact that if he doesn't come home because of a car wreck or heart attack, neither does his paycheck. What happens? So these are things that are important to know. Um, I had an, an agent a number of years ago. This was his opening statement. He got in the house, connected with the people, and he looked at the man, quote, I'm not here for you. I'm here for your wife and children. And then he directed his undivided attention to the wife. Well, that's a nice line that he had heard another agent use uh, a number of years before, but that agent wasn't around anymore because it didn't, they didn't last, last very long in the business. But he loved the, the phrase, and he locked on to it. Now, this agent struggled and didn't understand why, because he had alienated himself with the husband right at the beginning. Now, let me show you a better way of doing this. 
you know, if you want to accomplish the same thing to let everybody know you're there for the wife and kids, here's a little bit better way to do it. It, it would start off with asking questions. Mary, if John doesn't make it home because of a car wreck or heart attack, neither does his paycheck. How long could you survive without John's paycheck? Well, about six months. Now, most people at that point look at John and say, well, how do you feel about that? But that's not the right answer. The next question is, then what? See, that's really exposing the pain, and the husband now is seeing the pain that his wife feels in a way he's never seen before. Because I can guarantee you one thing, they have not had this conversation. And there is no way in the world she could bring it up without him thinking, all you care about is getting money if I die. I mean, really, that's, that's where the rubber meets the road. So now he, you have put them in a position, not in an ugly way like this other agent. I won't say even ugly, not in an uncomfortable way, but guys, this is the reality of it. You know, we were talking to somebody over the weekend that uh, this young, young woman and her boyfriend had started a business, and they just got everything up and going, just getting started, and he was killed in a motorcycle accident. One, she's devastated because they were engaged to be married or getting engaged. Now she's lost her future husband. She's probably going to lose the business. She's going to lose everything. They weren't prepared, you know. And um, so after, you know, the asking the question, then what? And she's pointing out, well, I could live six months and then I'm going to lose the house. I'm going to have to move to a less expensive neighborhood. I'm going to have to move in with my parents. And then you ask John the question, well, John, how do you feel about that? Now, if John doesn't care, it's coming out real quick. Well, I don't give a rip. I'm dead. Guys, there's no sale there. It's okay to fold the book up, shake hands, and leave. You have just saved yourself a lot of time. But more importantly, you more than likely have touched an, a, a nerve there that's going to invoke the pain, and move to the next step. You know, Now, the agent that I just described was doing the activity. They were buying leads every week. They were setting 10 to 12 appointments a week. They were figuring the rates for the appointment before they went. You know, It's my phrase, know before you go. They were dressing properly. They were getting into the appointment on time. They were connecting well with the client. But then they offended the husband. Now, because he did so many things right, he was somewhat successful. I was able to get in there. We changed the approach, and uh, his sales jumped 30-plus percent immediately. Why? Well, he was doing the right thing without offending the husband. Now, a few weeks later, his sales started to slip, and I called him up. I said, hey, are we going back to the old? Yeah, we are. Now, the funny thing of it is you guys have heard this story several times. When I got to the house, and it was February, and they had stood me up and stood him up and didn't buy from him, and I get to the house, and nobody's there. Well, the one thing, is he, two things he was doing wrong, he was offending the man when he got there, which is why, incidentally, he did not make that sale that, with that client that time. And secondly, he had my worksheets, but he had copied them so many times, they were about a 30-degree angle on the page. They looked awful. So, you know, there are things, and I discovered that and fixed that, of course, immediately. So, now, the proper activity 
for a new agent with us is, and, and this agent was, was doing this, new resources or leads every week, get referrals because that cuts down on your lead expense and it makes it easier to approach and make a second sale, having a designated time to call, you know, making the 250 dials a week to set 10 to 15 appointments. Know before you go, guys, that's an important part because when you strategize the case uh, with your manager, they're not only going to tell you what product to sell if you're not sure of that, but many times they're going to tell you how to sell it. They're going to tell you how to introduce the concept that you need to make the sale. Uh, do an excellent in-home presentation. You know, these clients deserve your best because if you're in the home and you make a, a half-baked presentation and he does get killed in a car wreck the next day or has a heart attack the next day or the next week, and I'm telling you, if you do this long enough, that is going to happen. Now they're uninsurable. If you did a half-baked presentation, there's a responsibility there you had to the family. So let's do it the best job we can. And I want you to understand, all of this that we're covering here today, it's part of the ecosystem. And learning how to embrace the ecosystem, plug into it. Now, I've, I've given you two things today. I've given you what to do and why to do it. Because I found out what to do without the why is not as effective. The why really drives home the point on how I can change not only my life, but more as important, I won't say more important, but as important, how to change the lives of our clients. God forbid something like this happens. Because we fall into this trap of thinking life insurance is for selling. We forget the fact that those that need it, it's for using as well. Yeah, Dick, you've just talked about the Equus platform and how um, Barry, Rob, and uh, Bill built this company. You know, they built it on five things. They built it on leads carriers, having the support, and having the technology. And number five was training. Today is part of that training. And that's why the Tuesday call is so important to be on the call at 10 o'clock. And when someone says they want to see you Tuesday morning at 10, you're booked. You don't tell them you're on a call any more than the doctor tells you he's going to be playing golf. You're just booked, and you get another time. Would you agree, Dick? I would, and I want to point something out. I Last week, we covered some things that were really good on the nuts and bolts side of things, and that particular agent was not on the call. They have worn me out this week trying to get information on a one-on-one -on -one basis that they could have gotten last week on the call. And the ironical part of it is they text us through this call wanting help. They're in the home on an appointment, and what we're covering right now is exactly what they're doing uh, in the home today. So that's why these calls are so important to you. Now, do I mind helping them, helping you a second time if you didn't quite get all this? No, I don't mind at all. But the point of it is we have now planted the seed on the things that are important to do. And guys, this is such a great business. We need to understand and realize the impact not only do we have on our family, but for those that we serve. Now, I know a lot of you are thinking, oh, I can listen to the podcast. You can. That's true. That's great. And we hope that everybody does. But, you know, it was so funny, uh, Dick, one day on a Monday call, somebody made the comment that I have always wondered about it. They made the comment that when they listen to the recording, they don't feel as connected for some reason, which doesn't make any sense because we're not giving feedback on this call. I mean, yeah. no one's talking on this call. But there's something about plugging in at the right time with your team. Can't explain it. 
just telling you it's there. Karma, call it whatever you want, but that's what it is. It's also a little bit of discipline involved and making a commitment to be uh, part of a team. Uh, I'm going to go ahead and stop the recording and then give Dick a chance to wind down.